Hello everybody and welcome back to the Biff Rugby League Podcast. It's episode 6 of season 2. Uh, before we get into today's episode, we just want to say, um, unfortunately, Toby isn't around again this week. He's going on a hiatus while he looks for a new home and he's got a lot of um, positive personal stuff going on. It just means he's really busy. He's got a baby on the way, he's house hunting and he's just, he's just really busy. So you will see... Making moves. Yeah, he's making moves. He's, he's moving on in the world. But he will be back soon. He has said he's only a hiatus. He will be back. Um, so we wish Toby all the best. So, sir, good luck. And I hope the new house, when you find it, is awesome. Um, Robin, how have you been? Yeah, not bad. It's um, it's not been a, a full week since we last spoke, has it? But quite a bit's happened. And I'm quite looking forward to um, getting our team stuck into this, the main topic of the day. Yeah, the main topic, as I'm sure people are aware is the img criteria it has to be um lots to lots to talk about and responses to it keith lee cougar's co-owner's responses to it in particular are very very interesting to see wakefield have reacted in a way that most people didn't see necessarily coming um but before we get into all that sam Tompkins has retired or has announced he is going to retire at the end of the season current catalan's fullback england captain 33 years old a persistent issue with his left knee um, has contributed to the decision and he will take an off-field role on with the Dragons. And we're going to get into his really, really good career stats and facts and figures in a moment, but I was as shocked as most... Were you shocked when you heard this? Um, to be honest, like, he's, he's kind of... Like you said, he's had that persistent problem with his knee and there was a period where he didn't play rugby for what felt like ages it could have been a whole season maybe even longer and um you know we said goodbye to him once before when he went over to the nrl and all that stuff so it's kind of expected and, and we've seen many different versions of sam Tompkins now over his his career but one of honestly one of my favorite players i think just the the age that i was when he came on the scene i was probably about 12 13 and he just lit up the competition such a like difficult to handle attacker really like dogged um, really manages to get under the skin of the, of the opposition like just a real competitor super exciting to watch and like I just remember at the time being a kid and playing rugby and just wanting to emulate everything that he did it was you know even the way he held the ball the, the way when he steps he's got those long legs and he, but he manages to get so low to the ground just trying to copy him in every way, trying to learn everything about his, his style and technique and try and learn from it. So the first player in, for me that I genuinely really idolised and really was just, really looked up to, I suppose. So yeah. I've really enjoyed his career. And he's, he's provided us with some fantastic moments and like go down in history, hairs on the back of your next stand-up moments. And not, you know, I'm not a Wigan fan, but just watching from afar, he's, he's a club legend. And then all the stuff that he's managed to do for England as well, just just for every reason, he's just one of my favourite players. Yeah, he's a fantastic player. And you kind of felt, if you if you watched him on his first team debut at Wigan, people knew he was going to be a good player. A hat-trick within the first 12 minutes as he scored five tries on his first grade debut. The first player in history to do so at any level. Um, as Wigan outscored Whitehaven 18 tries 
Uh, as well, sorry, Wigan scored 18 tries in a 106-8 victory against Whitehaven in the fifth round of the Challenge Cup back in 2008. Um, he was 19 at the time, and to be fair, now you think that's quite old for someone to make a debut. You're looking at the likes yeah. of Dodd and Wellsby, who made their debuts. I think they were like 18, 17, 18, and 19. I'm thinking I felt like he was younger when he when he burst onto the scene, and to think he's only 33. In my head, he's like 35, 36, because he just seems to have been around forever. Um, but like you said, he did go over to the, N- the NRL. 14 tries in 37 games in the NRL contributes to 210 tries, 268 goals and 14 dropped goals in 332 games. Um, that's that's special, isn't it? That's, that's nearly 1,400 points in 300, less than 350 games. 33, yeah. 33 games for England, 21 tries, four four played four times for England nines as we know, but didn't just play for rugby league. He played one game of rugby union in his career, and scored yeah. the Barbarians against England in you know it was only, I think it's England or against Australia I believe. Ten four played in four Challenge Cup finals, no four Super League Grand Finals, one three played in three. Challenge Cup Finals 1-2. Been in the Dream Team six times. He was Rookie of the Year and Albert Goldthorpe Medal of the Year winner in 2010. He's won the Man of Steel twice and he's now the captain of England. Best thing about it is he wasn't born in the Heartlands. He was born in Milton Keynes. Like, oh, really? He's one he's, of your lads. He's, so. he's a southerner at heart. Uh, no, I wouldn't say he's one of ours. Um, but he is... He's not. He wasn't born up there, so... Born in Milton Keynes, a middle brother, obviously Joel and Logan as well. He moved. He started playing for Chorley Panthers when he was seven. Family moved to Wigan. He signed, he played at St Pat's, um, and then got a scholarship and was playing full time at the end of two thousand seven. And year on year on year, he just got better. When he went to Catalan, I thought, oh, is this like retirement home sort of thing? And obviously, it has proved to be the retirement home because that's where he has retired. But he, he's played arguably better in the last two seasons at Catalan than he has done than he did when he was back at Wigan yeah he's a totally different kind of player now isn't he he's a leader and a bit more of an organiser whereas um, when he first came on the scene it was just kind of like that real like ad lib just give him the ball and see what he can do see how he works his magic and it was um, you know it was uh well, was it Maguire? Was it your mate Mags that that he first played under? Uh, but then obviously you had yeah, the, the was, Sean yeah. Sean Wayne era as well, where they sort of really managed to build a structure around him, make him really powerful. And like some of the some of the moments for me that or what the one moment when I said about hair stand up and it back in your neck was that um, 2010 Challenge Cup final where him and his and his brother Joel um, oh, that's, scored. That's right, yeah that full length try and it, and it's just like two brothers winning a, a, a Challenge Cup final at Wembley together it's just like what and that was right at the start of his career and since then there's been loads I mean he's been in the dream team six times Man of Steel twice um, yeah two two Challenge Cup wins three Super League wins and I, I think in, in our game that we don't have many household names People struggle to name players. I mean, most of the time, if you ask someone, they'll probably say like Jamie Peacock, yeah. and 
since then there's not been many, but Sam Tompkins is one of those names that often comes up. He, he you know, he, he sort of like crossed into that common um, sports knowledge of who is a rugby league player, and I and I think that 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 shows just how influential he was and exciting he was to watch because it's it's not because of any kind of um, it's, it's for no other reason than the fact that his highlights package is so entertaining to watch. Yeah, it is. I know he's had his off-field moments and he, as a person, has has regretted those and seems to have matured a little bit. and Well, quite a lot since he came back from the NRL. A world record transfer fee to sign him back in 2014, which I didn't, I didn't realise that until I've just read it now. I don't see. I don't. Rem- I don't remember it being there because, like you said, we were we were teenagers at the time, and we probably didn't appreciate Tompkins before, like until maybe 2015, 2016, which is when mm. he, which was when he was over in the NRL. Like we probably rec- we probably appreciated him a little bit before that, but only really have we gone. Actually, we've n- we've not seen the best version of Sam Tompkins between twenty ten, uh, twenty eleven, and twenty twelve and twenty thirteen. He scored over thirty tries. Uh, a season, so he scored 113 tries in 90 games over three seasons at Wigan before going to the wow. NRL, and you, so you can see why he was snapped up. Yeah, he was he was Class. bigger than the Super League. He got yeah. to a point where he was like bec- becoming a you know, like like I say, a household name, a world class sports star, bigger than the Super League at the time. The Super League was um, I feel like it's actually improved since then. We like to moan, but it was sponsored by a tiny little insurance company, and I feel yeah. I feel like it was locked behind Sky, and there wasn't really anything. Go- there wasn't the same wasn't. sort of social media back then and stuff. So rugby league felt a little bit more niche, where, where, whereas we had this like rock star yeah. in our game, and it was just a matter of time before he ended up in in the NRL or going over to Rugby Union, which I remember, like you said about that one game that he played, I remember being nervous that that was the path he was going to take. Yeah, go and play for, like there was rumours he was going to go and sign for Saris and play alongside um, Owen Farrell, like who mm. I believe is like obviously very, very close with the Wigan links and and stuff like that. So, but, but it's only two years older than, than Owen Farrell and we're, we were saying, when is Owen Farrell going to play in Rugby League? But, there was a time where players like Sam Tompkins, we didn't want to go and play rugby union, and I'm really glad we didn't lose him to rugby union because yeah. we'd have we'd have, we never would have got him back. I don't think he would have ever come back to Wigan. He never would have gone and played for um, Catalan, and I think his res- I think he's been part of that resurgence at Catalan over the last three to four seasons because they've had a player like Sam Tompkins who knows the game yeah. inside out and is able to to bring a winning. Mi- Maybe not a fully winning mentality because, like you said, he hasn't won everything there is to win, and on on that level, especially like on the international stage. But when he gets to a final, he plays pretty well usually. Yeah. Um, another loss at another club is Michael Carter. Um, he has given notice of his decision to step down as the chief executive of Wakefield Trinity at um, at the latest by the end of the current season. 
That'll have been 10 years at the club um, when he helped stave off administration and worse fates amid, amid, amid um, tough financial situations. They've remained in Super League and are and is helping the club through an overhaul at, uh, at Bellevue where they're getting a new stand and they had, they've had they had a new pitch put in. Um, Carter himself has said he genuinely believes that, he's achieved, that the club have achieved a great deal. From the brink of administration and a couple of very close brushes with relegation, we have maintained our Super League status and enjoyed a couple of top five finishes and a cup semi-final along the way. This has been achieved despite having some of the weakest financial resources in terms of benefactors, non-matchday income and crowd levels. Uh, Chairman John Minard described Carter's impending exit as the end of an era at the club, having overseen and steered Wakefield through financial issues, COVID-19 and the revamp of their stadium after plans to move were halted. Put simply, without him, there would not be a Wakefield Trinity today. Uh, as Michael says, we are continuing our plans to drive the club forward in the context of the redeveloped stadium and there will be further announcement as the season progresses. Michael will be with us as CEO potentially until the end of the season and his actual departure from the role will be the appropriate time to pay proper tribute to his immense contribution. Uh, this came, I think, a day before the IMG news dropped on Saturday or it came a really similar time. Mm. But I believe this was already kind of in the mo in the in the motions because this is this is something big to drop in the middle of like at the start of a season, especially at the start of a season where a club hasn't scored in three games. It, it yeah, yeah. the timing is fair enough to to let people know, but the timing to announce it now, not at the beginning of the season before all the problems of on the pitch have come out, but now this is the start. yeah. But, but it, it it very well could have been in in the works, but it's an unfortunate lineup of events, a potential relegation year, poor results on the pitch, a, a big IMG rehaul that might leave Wakefield out of the Super League, all happening the same sort of time the CEO announces they're stepping down. Mm. It, it's um. It's it's unfortunate if it is an accident, but a, an interesting um, an interesting turn of events if it's not. Yeah, because um, if if it's not, then that's really really frightening for um, anyone involved in the club because um, you know he, he the the CEO potentially is making a decision there that this club's going downhill. I need to cut my losses and get out of here. And so we might be seeing a, a a period of, you know, relegation into championship, and probably bob along at the bottom of there trying to rebuild. Yeah, you know, that's the the worst case scenario of from what I'm reading here. From what I I mean, in, from what I'm inferring with yeah. all these things happening around us. Yeah, definitely. And I remember last week you, we me you and me sat there and we we were bemoaning the pitch, and we were like, "What the hell is a hybrid pitch?" Thank you to Adam Naylor of. North Hearts Crusaders, he's um, said well, a hybrid pitch is actually a mix of real grass and it has artificial grass inserted into it. Uh, West Ham Football Club apparently have a hybrid pitch that they play football on. So, That's that, so there we go. But um, they can be quite difficult to bed in. So if you put it in a bit late, it can be difficult and dangerous to play on, especially if you're playing a contact sport with football. They don't necessarily notice it as much and usually it's just yeah. blisters that are an issue. But with with contact sport where your skin is onto it on it, it it can be quite dangerous to play on. Um, 
but yeah, that's that's the big departure news in terms of Super League, both on field and off field. We're going to move on to the Challenge Cup now, and I think this was one of the best Challenge Cup third rounds I've I could remember. I was stunned when I saw some of the games and some of the halftime scores. We go to um, we'll start with Saturday's games. Both Hunslet Amateur Rugby League Football Club and Rochdale Mayfield become two community sides to move on to the fourth round draw, which takes place. Um, which, if you're listening, would have taken place last night. So we can't get into that, unfortunately. Uh, Midlands Hurricanes overcame a tough, tough game away at Oral St James. They were 12-4 down at halftime and then came back to win 19-12. Uh, London Broncos comfortable over Whitehaven, 32-10, uh, with it being 22-0 at halftime. Witness Vikings did did what they were meant to do. Like you said, it was it's a bit of a lose-lose, really, because if they'd have lost the game, oh my God, it would have been mental. But they were expected to go and win the game. They beat West Warriors 80 points to 4 but I want to shout out Blake Nahu, the West Warriors fullback, who scored the try for West Warriors. And the fans went mental. And there's a lot of love for the West Warriors now from the Witness players, Witness coaches, Witness fans. And I tell you what, the West Warriors have got a big fan base now in, in Witness. They are apparently they've massively helped to get the pitch clear. Players, coaches, people that had come to watch, they, they got the snow away. They made sure that game could get played and didn't have to be postponed. So massive, massive congratulations to them. Uh, two York sides faced um, West York sides. York Acorn unfortunately lost 62-6 to Bradford, whereas the York City Knights beat West Bowling 52-12. Keithley Hunslet was 16-14 to the Cougars. Doncaster overcame Workington 24-20 in another close game. Barrow Raiders uh, got back into good form as they beat Swinton 32-14. We go to Dewsbury Rams beating Rochdale Hornets 38-18. Thatterheath Crusaders welcome North Wales Crusaders for the second time in Challenge Cup history, but they couldn't beat them for the second time, and North Wales came away 18-10 victors in that one. Newcastle Thunder put 58 past Stanningley. Um, Batley, uh, Batley Bulldogs beat Wathbrow Hornets 60 points to nil at home, but then shout out to Siddle, who at one point were 12 all at home against the Sheffield Eagles, but a solid second half performance from the Eagles made them 34-12 runouts. And the result of the weekend, I think it is, isn't it? The game of the weekend, the result of the weekend, <laughs> Alifax Panthers beat Featherstone 22-18 in what was an absolute classic cup tie. It was back and forth, there was red cards, there was scraps, and there was even immature fans throwing eggs at buses at the end of the game. <laughs> What what more could you ask for? <laughs> but <laughs> Featherstone have lost for the first time this season and won't be going to Wembley or won't even be in the eighteen ninety five eighteen ninety five Cup because they've lost that early. What a game. I mean you didn't want to you didn't want me to spoil it as I was texting the group. And yeah, you, I, and I all I had to say to you was proper cup tie. I couldn't say anything. No, I mean I, I guess that it might mean that Halifax were in it because you would be um you wouldn't have said that if they weren't, but yeah, it was it was quite a good game, wasn't it? And I, I just thought it was a shame that there wasn't more Halifax fans down there. I know um, it's only a round three cup game, but it would have been good to have a, a bit more of an atmosphere down the post office road. 
yeah. but considering considering the ones that did go got egged, I can sort of see why they didn't bother. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think people like going to um, Post Office Road. I, I mean, yeah. it's not an away day that I think many fans go to. But to think, 12th of February, Featherstone versus Halifax at Post Office Road, 46-22. Yeah, so, and, and I know there was... I don't think Aikens played. I don't think Hankinson played. Ford's injured. Riley Dean's gone back to Warrington. Yes, it was still a strong Featherston side, but they had a few names missing for whatever reason. But Halifax did enough and have got through yeah. to the fourth round. And I, I know we're not going to talk about the fourth round, but there's some potentially massive ties. I've got. Um, I did send. Oh yeah, I did. I put it in the in the in the group chat. I sent. A dream draw. So this is my, oh, yeah. I, I said this is a, this is the draw that I want in the next round for teams. This is this is the draw I'd want it to be. I want Hunslet to play Rochdale Mayfield, so we're guaranteed a community side in round five. I want London Broncos to get Halifax in London, so I can go and watch them. I want York City Knights to play Bradford because I think it'd be a great game. Yeah, I want Midlands Hurricanes versus North Wales Crusaders, a battle of the League One sides and a, and a battle of the expansion teams. Doncaster versus Dewsbury, um, I think it'd be a really good game because it's I think Donny are top of oh, I can't remember now. Are they in? Yeah, Doncaster Dewsbury, the two teams top of League One. Newcastle versus Barrow, Batley versus Keithley, and then Sheffield versus Bradford. Two of those teams I've just mentioned will play at Wembley in the 1895 Cup final. Um, very, very interesting. I'm really looking forward to seeing the, the the next round and the fifth round. But like we said, the Super League teams only come in round six. That's quite late, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's really annoying. It kind of takes a shine off a little bit. And I, I'm still a little bit gutted that it's returned to the to the August slot I think that it, I really liked having the early early Challenge Cup final give us some like halfway through the year yeah reward teams that start well so it just kind of feels like we're so far away from the final and, and it you know the Challenge Cup's still special for those teams that are in it and those um, amateur teams like Hunslet like Rochdale Mayfield that managed to get through and compete in round four but yeah I mean don't get me wrong, I loved watching Featherston and Halifax battle it out and the, the the pressure of knowing that you're going out in, in round three, even though you're a top-end championship team. Like, that's great, but whichever team does win, they're still so far away from the final. And Yeah, those Super League teams come in so late that they win a handful of games and they're apparently victors. Yeah, it's a bit it's a bit difficult, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's, bit... it is difficult. I mean, there's there's definitely a way that they could get those Super League teams, if not around, if not two rounds, at least a round earlier. I'm sure there is yeah. a way of of getting them in earlier in the competition to make it worthwhile. I mean, we saw that we mentioned earlier on Wigan played Whitehaven in a fifth round tie back in 2008 with Sam Tompkins' debut. Yes, it was 106 points <laughs> or whatever it was, but. They've, at least they've played that earlier round. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, like, and as a result of that game, Sam Tompkins got his debut as well. So yeah. it's not, you know, it, it gives those like younger players a chance to, you know, get to, make their debuts. Yeah, to make their debuts and get on the scene. That's what happens. Um, quick question. IMG yeah. 
are gonna have introduced their their grade their grading criteria, which will be in full effect from 2025. Um, so what's that? Two more, not this season, and also after next season it will come in. Yeah. If a club wins the Challenge Cup, they do not get any extra points. Mm. Agree, but, just, agree, quickly, we, I mean, we'll get into the rest of the, the grading, but quickly disagree or agree with that. Do you think that they shouldn't that maybe they should put that in? Considering, like we've just said, they only come in at the very late rounds, I feel like it, I kind of agree, but then if you if a championship club won it, I feel like they should just get like a free pass to do whatever they want for the next season because it's <laughs> such an achievement. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's, it's different. I think, it's different for each club, isn't it? It means that the yeah. the the, a, the clubs with A's aren't going to bother, but the clubs with B's and C's would still necessarily want, especially in League One Championship. That Challenge Cup mean will mean a lot more to them because it's their cup run. It's where they're going to get the extra income from. Yeah, but, I, I don't. It depends. I think it, it is a flash in the pan, isn't it? The Challenge Cup. It's all about yeah. just having like being on form. Whereas we kind of want to reward long term. Yeah, definitely. investment and growth and success. Yeah, definitely, and that's exactly what we're we're going to go into now. We're going to discuss the IMG grading criteria, and we're going to start with well, just let's, we're going to go slide by slide. So I'm going to start on um, slide number four because that's where it all starts. The first one's grading criteria, then it's headlines and it's introduction slides. So we don't need those first this, slides. This slide, by the way, if anybody wants to follow on whilst they're listening if you go to the to the rugbyleague.com website and, and find the um, grading criteria un- unveil unveiling um, yeah. article and scroll down to the bottom there's a link and you can open it up and you can follow along whilst we're whilst we're chatting yeah that's exactly right i'm glad i forgot to mention that so thank you very much robin um we're going to start on slide four no slide five which is the no slide number four so it says recommendation three of IMG of reimagining rugby league was to introduce a grading criteria. So kind of like the licensing thing that we've had a few that we had about a decade or so, maybe more ago. Grading will, like I said, become full effect from 2025. Illustrative grades for 2024 to be released at the end of 2023 20, season, and the grading criteria will be objective, easily measurable, and reliable. So it's going to be based basically on facts, figures, stats. So yeah. it's not just going to be based on what teams think they can do. It's where our teams now, and it will change yeah. constantly. Which I like that. That's the way the way I've read the way I see that is I like that. But it will be judged yeah. over a period of time, which is also a good thing. Um, I, I agree in principle. But in one principle, other thing I'd yeah. like to say is I wish they added the word transparent because mm. that would that would tell me that all these things. Are, are real and there's nothing going on behind the scenes but if you're gonna like hide the criteria away from me and just give me you know what i mean i'm gonna struggle so i hope that they also consider keeping it transparent yeah i agree uh, on to slide five the ultimate objective of grading is to incentivize clubs to grow their fan bases grow top line non-centralized revenue run in a best in class way so always try to be the best engage with your fans better invest the, in their club and sport in a sustainable manner so don't just spend all your cash and wish that you get it back at the end of the season and ensure that there's strong governance in 
place, which I think is fine. All those six things sound really good to me. Yeah, I don't know what best in class way is. I think that's a yeah, issue. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I mean, they might have gone into it in. They might have gone into it a bit more in the presentation. Obviously, we weren't there when they presented this um, the other day, so they might have developed. Someone might have asked that question, and I hope they did because, like you said, it's a little bit wishy washy and um, sort of not really there. The agreed categories are a the highest rated grade with a club guaranteed participation in the top tier on a permanent basis as long as the grade is maintained okay so if a team is a but finishes bottom of the league they will obviously be readjusted but they might stay up okay yeah. b yeah. there's tier b which is eligible to participate in the top tier only when spaces are available so we currently have 12 super league teams if we have 12 teams with a no one will go up or down if we have yeah. 10 with A, the lowest, uh, the B team has to have finished, I guess, in the bottom, uh, towards the bottom or sec or bottom or wherever, because there is yeah. promotion relegation, but only if there is potential. C will participate in the championship and League One. So there is promotion relegation between the championship and League One, and there will be promotion relegation between whatever the, they call the Super League because they, they, as you notice here they've only called it the top tier so that makes mm. me think there is a there is a name change coming interesting yeah that's a good point so minimum standards will be in place alongside the grading criteria these will include the requirement for adherence to insolvency regulations and UCAD regulations and in the future the requirement for category A clubs to run a women's team so not straight away which is which I like because it is isn't easy just to up and start a women's team no matter what club you are. Yes, yeah. yes, we have loads of them, but we don't know how many of them are directly part of the same club and run under the same banner. Yeah, and we don't we, we want it to be sustainable as well. We don't want to just like perch from a local team yeah. that's worked really hard to develop a women's team and then a Super League club comes on and goes, yeah, we need that. It's, they, we want them to develop a, their own genuine team. Didn't that happen at York though? When the cast coach went to York, they moved across. <laughs> they did. But what I mean is, say, I think the example in my mind is is Stato Heath becoming Saint Helens. Yeah, yeah, no. I, I, I can't. Yeah. I don't know if it was. I, I'm sure it wasn't just this. This pinched them. But if yeah. all of a sudden all these Super League clubs need players, then yeah, that's no, probably what they would be forced to do. Yeah, yeah, I know. I agree. Um, last bullet point on. Slide number six is that the clubs will be reassessed every year, which I like that. I like that. That's good. Um, we're moving on to part two, which is the criteria. So first we have the methodology, which to me, this is mad. This is mad. Phase one, there is attendance, cap viewership, catchment, the standard of facilities, finance, on-field performance, stadium data, social data, and other. And then there is data pre-processing. So there's 91 variables and 3,367 data points to look at for the methodology, which is there's data pre-processing. I think we're, we're, then there's machine learning and custom weights and simulation testing and dashboarding phase three. I've no idea what they what they mean. So um, I know I understand what the bits in the phase yeah. one mean, the first block. But I the think, that, I think that, that what they're saying is that that like that data. That's going to be the facts that they were saying about before, where it's going to be objective. 
and they'll push all that all those stats and figures through some kind of I mean they say they say pre processing so they're gonna standardize it. Machine learning, does, what the hell does that mean? Is, are they going to be so tweaking the, it every year based on a machine, like some kind of algorithm? Yeah, so some that's kind what, of AI. So do the current grades every year? Yeah, set, I think they're going to evolve. Set, set a baseline, which then evolves yeah, throughout the year. Because know. eventually, the clubs that are C's now are going to be A's, we hope. That's Yeah, that's the plan, but, isn't it? But if those become A's then we're going to have 36 A's and what happens then so there has to be there, has to be there has to be A plus A plus plus so there has to be development so you might find that let me just pluck let's, let's use West Wales because they're not a club anymore in League One right say they'd stuck yeah. around and they were given a C because most likely they probably would have got one they, yeah. they're likely to necessarily well, maybe not. They might have been a B because they've obviously got a little bit of catchment because their closest club is North Wales. But Cornwall, let's use Cornwall. They 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 probably could be a C, right? Potentially because they're a new club. They don't get thousands, but they get a decent number, and they don't have a lot of thing. They they might be a C every year, but they could develop. But we need to see that they're developing, and we need to know why they're always a C because eventually they should become an A because they're going to have. They're going to be improving on the grading pillars that we're going to get into in the next slide. So, mm. I think, like you said, the machine learning is like a development, and then it's custom weights. Is has there has stuff happened at a club that has affected certain like if if Jack Wellsby gets is is bought for a world record fee, and Saints' finances bounce up because they've been given a stupid amount of money. Like if he becomes mm. the first eight figure player, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think then that's then all of a sudden Saints have got ten million pound in the in the bank. Do you know, like that's not likely to happen. But I if, think if, you know, you know the custom weights. I'm thinking that they're gonna they're gonna place more value on certain yeah figures. Things they're gonna, gonna say we need to see. We're gonna place a priority on finance over on field performance. Yeah, and to me that's the area that's the area that needs to be transparent because. When we see a team that doesn't finish bottom get relegated because of finances or facilities or attendance, that's when it's going to really annoy fans it's going to and cause a lot of confusion. And so that, that's yeah. where the transparency for me comes in. Yeah, definitely. We need to be seeing, we need to be getting accurate attendance figures. We need to be getting accurate finance information. At not every week but we need to be known we need to know why we need a comparison because like we, like I said grading pillars fandom performance finances stadium catchment what are the catchment areas for certain clubs what is the stadium requirements for certain areas what are what are the finance requirements yes there's rationales and there's maximum scores but we need to like you said there needs to be transparency up to what these things are we're going to fan, we're going to fandom first. Uh, the rationale for fandom is there is a need to attract more fans at home, in stadia, and digitally. They need to they need to improve fan engagement, critical to retaining existing and and gaining new fans, and they need to be a key driver for both club and central revenues. So they're expecting clubs to not just push their own games and get people in the door that way, but they're expecting clubs to push Challenge Cup. 
and things like that because that's where the central mm. revenues come in. They're expecting clubs to push international games that feature their players, I guess. Um, yeah. So and the maximum score for that is five, which is a percentage total of 25%. Um, so they assess clubs on the size of their fan base and reward growth. So with attendance, your it's the max score is 2.5. Viewership is a max score of one. Digitally is 1.5. And then that's split over social following of 0.3. Website visits is 0.3 and total engagements is 0.6. So they're showing us here how they're breaking each thing down, which I like. Yeah. I like that because it's not just, oh, Saints are, Saints are getting the biggest crowd every week. But we know that Cornwall's social media is quite liked because they they, they push quite a lot. Mm. And we know that Lee are going to get a lot of social media. Whether it's good or bad, they're getting a lot of engagement and so they Lee's Lee's engagement score is probably going to be 0.6 yeah it's cool isn't it it's kind of like if you've got a good brand if you've got like a, a club that's that people regularly engage with yeah yeah I, I get that I, and, and all of that the, the TV viewership digital is worth just as much as how many you actually get in the gates mm-hmm, exactly so it's, it's so, breaking it down which is it's nice Cool. Uh, second one, second the second pillar is performance. So on pitch performance remains the basis for participation and is key to overall club success. It drives fan awareness and engagement. Again, maximum score of five and a percentage of total is twenty five percent. League performance, the highest score you can get is four. So teams are ranked one to thirty six based on where they finished in the leagues and playoffs for the last three seasons. So, I like it. So it is. So performance-wise, it has to be can't just be a one-hit wonder. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it, they are all. They are teams are awarded bonuses for winning the league and cup competitions. According to this, I've read somewhere that they're not. So maybe interesting. interesting. So I'm going to try and find that out. But Super League is 0.75. The Challenge Cup is 0.25. The Championship is 0.25. League One is 0.1, and the 1895 Cup is 0.1. So that's all broken down that way which is wait how does that work if that's a four that's, that's so the, the match you could win is the four in the league performance win the super league and the yeah, challenge cup yeah, you've got it, five. It, oh it says the max score here is five because obviously if you win super league and the challenge cup you're going to get a five yeah. but obviously you can't get a five if you're not in super league which is yeah. good, which is good because obviously you don't want teams teams in league winning league one is totally different to win the super league which is which is fine that makes sense that that I don't know I don't have any issues with that. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Oh, that's quite cool. Number three, finances. This is where I think the, the most transparency needs to be. Um, the rationale for finances is reflecting on the success of fan engagement and business performance, and rewards sustainable investment and sound financial management. The objective for this one is to make clubs financially stable, have diversified revenue streams, and reward profitability. So this one is a little bit more of a breakdown. So non-centralized turnover is a max score of 2.25. Non-centralized turnover as a percentage of total turnover is 0.75. Adjusted profit of 0.5. And then sustainability all comes together to 1.5. So balance sheet, increase in owner investment and working capital. So what the club owns, how much money the owner's putting in and everything else all adds up to five. And I think this is it. It's running clubs like a business, isn't it? Not like a sports club. Yeah, we it's, need it's these teams to survive. On, 
money made outside of the handout from yeah. Sky and etc. So that's yeah, that that makes complete sense why they would prioritise that. Yeah, which is really good to see. Number four is stadium. The rationale for the stadium is for critical is critical to stakeholder experience both in stadia and when viewing from home and there is a need to compete with other sports and events. The max score for this is only three and it only relates to 15%. Um, so the objective is stadium facilities to reach minimum standards and add value to broadcast and fan experience. The facilities overall is a 1.5, but then this is utilization of the facilities, so are they being used to their maximum capacity? That's how I see that. Um, yeah. Uh, primacy of tenure, so how much of it is owned by them so for a fact Salford at the AJ Bell being moved on we discussed it before they're likely to get a low score LED I guess that's the lighting Post Office Road going to get a very low score because when they've got games mm. at night you can't see anything and not every stadium has room for a big screen which means games at their place can't go on TV yeah, that's yeah, that makes sense. So, because they sometimes that's... they have to install, they have to bring portable screens, and that's that's a money waster for the RFL and RL Commercial mm. and IMG. They clubs need to have a big screen there. Yeah, it's that's in, that's interesting because in the last one about finance, you've got sort of like working capital and stuff like that, and then you've also got um, about whether or not you own it or how long you own it for if yeah. it's rented and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So those clubs that don't own a stadium are going to be taking a hit in two categories there. Yeah, they are. Which is which is interesting. I think that'll be um, that'll reward those clubs that have those assets in terms of stadiums and and facilities suggests also your training areas and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Can our training areas utilise to their maximum advantage and yeah. stuff like that? Which so I, I quite like that. The last one is catchment. This this is this is where a lot of the clubs in the Heartlands have not liked this, and I think that's why this has been given a low score because it isn't necessarily yeah. important. It's not as important as what, as what people think it is. Is the rationale for catchment is the indicator of the club's fan base potential, and it incentivizes investments in large mar- uh, potential markets. Which that's why we've seen Cornwall, and that's why we've seen Midlands. Those two are based off areas of a country, not specific. It's not Coventry, it's not Penryn, it's Cornwall, which is a bigger area, and it's Midlands, which is a huge area. Mm. These, this is probably why these clubs have done what they've done with this. But Makes how sense. they've done this is the, the, the area population divided by the number of clubs in the area. So defined as the population of all cities and towns, i.e. built up areas of their subdivisions, divided by the number of clubs in the area. I'm guessing this is total rugby league clubs and not just clubs in the League One. Yeah, I'm, I'm I not think, sure. Yeah. Like, what are we defining as the area population divided by the number of clubs? Because Leeds, if you're just looking at Leeds, the city, and whatever they class as the, the, inside the city, divided mm. that by all those clubs, those scores are going to be quite low. But there's a lot of people in Leeds. So, yeah, it's it's and that's... difficult. It's diff- it's, the numbers are going to vary, and I'd like to see. I would have. I don't know if there's an example, but I would like to see an example of. I would have liked to have seen an example of a catchment score there. 
Yeah, because you kind of want to know like how, how big are the catchments. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, is, is Midlands going to count the whole of the Midlands, or are we realistically talking about like a just Birmingham, mile yeah. radius around this the club being at the centre? Yeah, that's and I think it has to be fair for each one, right? Yeah, like, it has to be. Yeah. the the area population is they, these are two numbers that we need to, again. This is where we need the transparency for these two numbers because are we like you said are we just going professional semi-professional clubs or are we going every single rugby league club yeah in, but, the, but in the midlands but... you've got i think four rugby league clubs you've got the midlands then you've got coventry then you've got telford boston i think there's some newer ones well you've probably got 10 in the midlands but if you're doing all of the midlands with all so you've got leicester derby birmingham coventry northampton mm. divided by 10 that's going to be a massive score. Yeah, see, I think it's I think it's going to be of the thirty six clubs. Yeah, it has you to know be. what I mean. I think it kind of has to be. Yeah, it, it definitely does because then, and it sort of makes sense. It means that, like, if they're in a position where two teams are level on what all these other factors, and the only difference is one of them's in a in a better geographic location to potentially target. Yeah. An area, then yes, that makes sense that that's the deciding factor. Yeah, if we because we want to expand. Yeah, I I definitely I agree, I agree with that. The ranking slide, which is next, which is slide number fifteen. I think this shows us how many A's we're going to get because they've they're going to rank. This is how they're going to rank teams. Oh, yeah. say we're going to get six A's. We're going to get eight B's. Well, I don't know. I, don't, I think we're going to get six A's no matter what, and then the rest are going to be B or C. So those six A's are guaranteed Super League, uh, guaranteed top tier teams. It says Super League there, not top tier. So I, what are we doing? Do you know what I mean? So at the minute, I guess we're going to get yeah. six teams guaranteed to be in Super League from 2025. Okay, so if if, if Saints, I think I think let's let's use Leeds because I think Leeds will be an A. I think because they are a very well-run club. Yes, they have a few option, problems on field, but I think they are going to potentially get an A because that's the type of, you look at the stadium, etc. And I think they just run really yeah. well in the women's team. That's just my opinion. So let's lose Leeds. They they might get an A, but finish bottom of Super League. They'll stay in Super League the next yeah. year. Fine. So does, 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 does that mean there's no promotion? There's no relegation? Or does that mean that the second... Well, they're re-rank, if they're re-evaluating re teams every year, it will be the top twelve every year. Yeah. So if you if you're if you're a six, you need to work hard to not be dropped down into a B. Yeah. Like, but it's not. Mm. It's only half a point between each one. So then they're they're making sure that the teams aren't that far spread apart by the by the point system, which I quite yeah. like. It's it's it, I quite like that. Well, we might, but in, like this is kind of like a, a demo, I'm guessing. So yeah, we might see like it a bit more, a bit more lopsided. But it, yeah, it, I, I guess yeah, it, it could does be. Yeah, sense. no, you're right. It could be lopsided because any team that's over 15, it says here actually, doesn't it? Any team over 15 points will be category A. So no, there can't be a limit because some teams okay. might both. But there might be eight teams with over 15 points. Yeah. So you're right. They are. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult for them. There's a lot. It's of It's going to be cool at the end of this year when we get those yeah. 
illustrative scores to, to realise where clubs I would like, are. I would like the illustrative scores before the end of the season would be nice. Or before, just before, I don't, or as soon as the season's finished. I'd like them to be working on a lot of it now, mm. um, which would be quite nice. Online sessions are scheduled with the RFL, RL Commercial and IMG project team to answer any questions. This is for the clubs, by the way. So there's another uh, there's another meeting tonight. There's another online session tonight, or there was today. There's another one in nine days, and there's another one on the 5th of April. After the 5th of April, clubs will have the opportunity to, re to register for a session as well as send any... Oh, sorry. Any clubs can, re can go to any of these sessions. Uh, the vote on whether or not these are accepted grading criteria will take place at a special general meeting of the RFL Council on the April on April the nineteenth. In June and July, discussions will take place with clubs using clubs using current data to explain their model and their current score. So the clubs will find out their current well, score uh... in June or July. So I wonder if we will find out scores in June and July as well. Um, and it says at the end of the season all gradings will be released. So that's the next steps. So we are still in phase one. We are very much still in phase one. And not loads of clubs have really come out and said anything negative about it. Apart from Keithley. Keithley comes <laughs> Ryan O'Neill and I don't know how to say the other guy's name, so I'm gonna guess. I think it's Cal Kai, like K A U E Kai Cal Garcia, um, has furthered their position against IMG and the proposals that have been put forward. At a special council meeting held in Huddersfield, obviously IMG um, released their thing. It's, this is the Keithley. It's going to be a closed shop. Whilst they are being clever, uh, what they are being clever about is portraying this whole new structure and avoiding the words promotion and relegation. Quite wisely, as they don't get a backlash from fans, but fundamentally, if you see the system, it's designed for Super League clubs to remain at the top. If this gets approved, it will cement our future there, because year in, year out, you'll be playing the same teams. It should be competitive, so fans come and see the thrill you might go up or support the team if you're in danger of going down. If they don't grasp, if they don't, they don't seem to grasp those fundamentals. I was vocal against them, saying they seem data focused, but they don't seem to understand how important the sport is to communities and towns. You will kill that if you do this. Sponsors, why would anyone be interested in coming to Keithley if there's just that ceiling? They're saying every year clubs will get reassessed, but that's absolutely crazy. There are only a few teams that would reach those categories they've created. It leaves the door open. It's a clever way of marketing. They're very good at marketing. No, really? That's literally what they are. They are a marketing company. Yeah. They, that's what I... they are. They are a marketing group. It's what they do. They market things. They push things. Um, in terms of attendance, as you as one of attendance, you as one of the categories would have to increase your attendance. But the product you have in championship has a ceiling. The maximum you achieve is six thousand. It doesn't matter what else you do. You're not going to get a crowd of ten thousand. That's a product for Super League because you have bigger teams. For us at Keithley, we will never reach a ten thousand crowd. Crowd. Let's be honest about it. Our population and area, even with playing Bradford, will hit a ceiling. But if we have a chance to go into Super League and play Leeds and Warrington, obviously you're going to hit the 10,000. But they're not allowing us to do that because we have to stay in the championship. Right. I've, I've, right. So they're <laughs> claiming that this is going to put a ceiling on them reaching the Super League. Do they honestly think there is not already a ceiling that exists? 
just that ceiling is the fact that you you aren't going to be running your club as well as St. Helens because you don't have the finances, you don't have the resources, you don't have the crowd base. The ceiling is already there just because nobody's written it down. Like, yes, theoretically, you could do these things, but it's never going to happen. The Super League has been in place since 1996. How many years of promotion and relegation have we had? And how many times? I, I can only think of Toronto that genuinely were the capitalist yeah. ideal of work your way up from the bottom through hard work and investment. Yeah, because they didn't go... They, yes, they won League One the first year, didn't they? Yeah, they but went then up... They, but then they, they stayed didn't... in Championship two years and then they went up and to Super up League. Again. Yeah, and yes... But, and that it, was and that an work. exception it's, to the rule. I don't, and I genuinely believe I wasn't a fan of the Toronto method because they spent their way there, and obviously that wouldn't fly under the IMG criteria that they've let out. You can't just spend your way there and not make loads of money, right? It's all about other things as well. But I genuinely believe if there was no COVID issue, we would still have mm. Toronto. I think so as well, and, and, and also I think... we also would have Ottawa. We wouldn't have had Cornwall. That's how I see it. Now, we wouldn't have Cornwall and we would have still had Toronto if COVID wasn't a factor. That's the way I see it. But, like, is is I mean, I mean this in no disrespect to the people of Keighley or the club or anybody involved because it's full of absolute heroes that put put so much work into a team that's in, in the lower leagues and, it's, and that, we thank them for that. We're grateful for that. But nobody's honestly looking at Toronto Wolfpack versus Keith the Cougars. No sponsor, no fan is no. Re- actually is going to pick Keithley as a more attractive offer. The, the guy said about sponsors aren't going to be interested in us because there's a ceiling. I, I just don't think that's true. If a, if, a, if a business or a company wants to sponsor a team, they want to sponsor Keithley, they're not thinking, oh, I'm going to sponsor them now because they might make the Super League. They're thinking, I'm going to sponsor them now because they, they, my target audience, as, as my business, goes to watch Keith the Cougars or yeah. sees Keith the Cougars around the local area. Yeah, I agree. There, there is a need for that. There is a need for that. If yeah. You're not going to attract Gillette, these massive blue chip companies, but there will be companies that want to target Keith the Cougars and their fan base and all, and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so you don't. So sponsors aren't going to be put off by this. There's, there's literally countless businesses out there that will be willing to to pay for it. Fair enough, you can't ask for as much as St. Helens, but you also don't need to spend as much as St. Helens. It's no. it's possible to do it in a profitable way, yeah. and and this doesn't stop them from climbing the leagues. It just means that they can't just leapfrog teams. They have to genuinely work their way up. Yeah, they have to. Teams have to work their way up, and is it? We're probably going to find the fact that the league is very similar for the first three, two to three seasons, because we're basing it off what's so. happened already. We know that. Well, look at the league anyway. You, like, yeah. it's claiming that it's stagnant. It is already. We've only seen four teams in the Super League. One of them is Bradford, who hasn't been in the Super League for over a decade now. A decade, yeah. So we've seen three teams win the Super League since then. It's already stagnant. There's, yeah. This isn't going to lock in place anything that was previously free-flowing and changing. You know what I mean? Any of the teams that have gone down into Championship 
have come back up, barring Bradford. If Bradford win championship and go up this year, they'll have been out of the championship. They'll have been out of Super League one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine seasons. Yeah. If they aren't in, if they're in the championship, they'll have had ten. This is their ninth season outside of the Super League. But but the reason why Bradford fell out of Super League was financial, and that's what this. This grading criteria is trying to prevent. It's trying to prevent clubs from folding. Hundred percent. You're also less likely to to plummet like Bradford did, and and more likely to to have to see a gradual decline yeah. where you slip down the grading criteria, and that's again is much more sustainable. It's much easier to recover from and readjust. Yeah, it works in both ways: climbing up the ladder and falling downwards. So this is this is where. This is this is where I kind of agree with them a little bit. He says, in this structure with a closed shop of twelve category A, because you can't have any more than twelve category A, which yeah. is obviously because that's the that's the top tier. If you finish top of the second tier, but someone had more points than you in other areas and finished sixth in the second tier, they would go up and you would have to stay down. If the other teams below you in the league rank more than you, imagine explaining that to fans. If you finish sixth, you would go up to Super League. What's the point in the million pound game? I would like to think more people would vote against it, but I'm just trying to portray that their system does not work. We're not against progression, but in sport it should be fair. You win, you go up, you lose, you go down. They've tried to turn it into rocket science that nobody will understand and it will push fans away. One of the five pillars is catchment area where they'll favour the likes of London. They've tried for 30 years and it's never worked. If they're so data-driven, they'd know that the lowest attendance in the championship last year was when London played. Expand organically around the M62, but plonking someone in like Cornwall, and I'm not against progress, because they should be trying to expand the sport, and get a point because you're in London, whereas because we're in an area with other teams, you'd score lower. Which, we kind of got into that, didn't we? We don't know for sure. We, we understand the teams in the area, blah, 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 and etc. like that. But Keithley then have to look at it and go, okay, we know we're not going to get a massive catchment point, but why can't we go and do... I've, I've closed my the thing now. Why can't they go and get a stronger one in terms of finances? Why can't they be the, the fin- financially the strongest team? Yeah, good I mean? point. Why can't, they, why can't they try and get points from the other two? Why can't they go and win the championship this year? Or next, not nearly not this year, but why can't they go and win the championship next year and get 0.75 points for winning the championship and go and go and get go and win the 1895 cup and go and get a point and go and get some points there? Why can't they yeah. do that? Why can't they just say, actually, okay, let's focus on other areas to try and get a high score and then it doesn't matter if our catchment's low because Leeds' catchment's going to be low. Saints' catchment's going to be low if it's if it's all the teams that is anyway. Yeah. Like if it's yeah. All, if it's just the league, if it's just those thirty six teams in that divided by, then fair enough. But if it's all of the teams, it's going to be tough. It is going to be tough. London will get the highest score. There's no doubt about it. But it's, it's, it's the I feel like area. the score the score is not like the cause. The score is a reflection. Mm-hmm. of the market that they operate in yeah. so the fact that you're in Keighley means unfortunately you're going to have to compete with you're going to have to compete with a crowded marketplace yeah. because there's lots of other clubs that fans could go watch 
it's just a reflection of what the world looks like it's not some agenda to try and make it harder it already is harder it's just it's just quantifying that yeah it is and we will know well we'll get we'll get scores later in the year hopefully um but i'm i'm glad for, for someone that like me who likes expansion i think i think it'd be good for york because there's not a lot of clubs out over on the east coast on the or the east riding of yorkshire you've got the two whole sides you've got york who else have you got in the east riding well i mean so we're, in we're actually league. in north yorkshire and we're the only professional rugby league team in north yorkshire well then that, you'll be fine then you're gonna get high score and all so if, if you're i think it will probably be higher than hunslet yeah you've got like, york, you know, newcastle yeah. london Cornwall and the Midlands, these clubs that they've tr- the only reason it hasn't worked for London was because they shouldn't they got relegated in a year where they had one of their best years on the pitch. They were yeah. just so unlucky to, to go down that year. They were really unlucky to go down that year, and unfortunately, because they went down that year, they they, they struggled financially, and that happens to clubs. We know that happens to clubs. The Midlands hasn't worked out, but they've changed their plan. They've, they've the Midlands Hurricanes is a new system this year. Alan Robinson stepped away from the club, and it's it's gone on a new path. The Midlands Hurricanes is not the same as what Coventry Bears was three seasons ago. It's a totally different club now in terms of the way it's run yeah. and who's in charge. Cornwall is a brand new club, so we can't judge them. Newcastle Thunder, yes, it's been up and down for them, but they were banking on things happening earlier than what it done. I think Newcastle would have potentially got their way had there not been, again, the Toronto impact and the the do you know, and all these things, things like the Toronto Toronto coming to the RFL and into League One changed so many teams and the way yeah. they ran because think about the players that these teams lost because people were wanting to go and get a big pay packet. Yeah, it, and it, it it kind of inspired like. Keithley to real splash the cash and like go for a promotion and unfortunately like what Lee have done and Fenston have done as well Keithley had a really good year last year and realistically for Keithley they didn't want to go up they should have stayed in League 1 because they would have got they would have got more points this year because they would have had better on the field results but maybe that's because that's where that team belongs yeah the truth the truth is and in this sport players can only play so many games in a year so it's not like football where you can have 24 team leagues because you can't play 23 teams home and away every single year because it'll just result in injuries so the leagues have to be pretty small you can't really do any more than 14 teams in a league so it's going to be harder to get it will be it will be um leagues of 12 of 12 i believe from, yeah, which is which is a sensible, you know, that's a sensible so, uh, size league. Yeah, because we currently but I'm just 12, saying, even, if, even if every single one of these clubs got an A, there would still only be a maximum of 14 in the top tier because you can't have any more than that. You can't play any more games home and away unless you want to change it. So it's not we're not playing every team home and away. And I don't I don't know how you want to work. I mean, we're getting they're getting rid of Magic Weekend, aren't they? So that to me, that gets rid of the loop fixture. So we can play everyone home and away, and I think that's the way we should be doing it because that's the fairest way to get on-field results. Yeah, that, exactly. So, but the, what I'm saying is, if you if that's if you're doing that, you can only have 14 teams because you can't keep adding games 
every, yeah. every team got is two more games that these players got playing. Yeah. They're, they're already pushing it, I think. Yeah. I've think, already seen pushback from the Players Association about the number of, of matches. Yeah. Like I think Keithley are worried because realistically they, they might get a C based on yeah. like, the teams around them. And if they get a C and they're going to go for 12 teams of, well, three leagues of 12, which I think is the easiest way to do it, you do three leagues of 12 and everything's done at the same time rather than 12, 14, and 10, and it all goes like, do you know what I mean? It all yeah. gets blown up. So yeah. Three leagues of 12, and unfortunately, Barrow and Whitehaven and um, Workington will be quite lucky because there's only three professional, there's only those three teams in Cumbria, which isn't, a, which is quite a big area. There's quite, there's quite a decent area yeah. but, they're, but they're compact so then they, they might not get good yeah. scores population size isn't yeah be population massive, size isn't going to be massive you're looking at Toulouse they're loving Toulouse and Catalan are loving life yeah because they're going to get good scores Sheffield Featherstone Bradford Halifax Keithley uh, Batley those type teams in the championship not going to get good scores you go to League One Dewsbury uh, Hunslet Rochdale, like they're not going to get good scores. In fact, London aren't going to get the best score because they've got to compete with London scholars. So you're splitting that into two. Yeah, but the whole of London split two is huge. Still. The whole of London split in two is still going to be higher than obviously those West Yorkshire clubs. But the whole of London split in two is is still. I wonder, yeah, I wonder the whole of the Midlands divided by one. Yeah, oh, sorry, yeah, less. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's probably less than the whole of the Midlands divided by one. So I think they have to include community teams because Lund. That's the way. I don't know how many community no, teams. Community teams. You... I think community teams, if anything, support a, a professional team because that's that's the player pool that that professional team is probably going to be yeah. looking to develop talent from. So to punish a team for being surrounded by loads of community sides seems a bit unfair. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Yeah. It's. I'd like to see a little bit more transparency on. It'd be cool if they had a the, map. The finances. Someone did. So there used to be a map. Um, someone. But a map where they drew the lines and said it's it's everyone oh, within yeah. this bit. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. This catchment. Yeah. But I mean, like, really, we're getting we're getting bogged down on that catchment. But what what was the actual? It's two. It's two points. Yeah, it's not. It's not so a lot it, of points. It's not yeah, really gonna. It's not really. Gonna, if you what two divided by thirty six, because what? Yeah, 30, two divided by thirty six. If if you do it equally, the average point is is not point not. It's it's not point not five points per team spread over yeah. thirty six. Some no one's gonna get a zero, and no one's gonna get two. So it'll be it'll probably be not point not not five not point one. 0.15, and that's the way it'll be done. Yeah, and I think that's the best way to do it. You rank the teams first, and you just give them points in that. You just see how much each team's point is worth, if that makes sense. And you go, yeah. okay, that's worth that. That's worth that. That's worth, and you just go that way to see the lowest number of points you're going to get for catchment is 0.05, and the highest one you're going to get is two. But the catchment is always going to be the same. In my eyes, that's ne that score is never going to change. So teams change shouldn't, if, uh, shouldn't a focus. New pops up. It would, yeah, yeah, it changes if a new team pops up or 
someone like Cornwall decide actually we're going to move and they move to say the Cornwall, relocate, Cornwall, yeah. Cornwall relocate to the Midlands and then you've got two teams in the Midlands all of a sudden and their score changes mm. do you know what I mean York all of a sudden well York won't move ground now but York move somewhere and they change and whatever like things will change yeah I'm really interested to hear what clubs will what club scores are going to be and what you think club scores are going to be like to the listeners that is obviously and based on this now we can we can look and we can try and judge what sort of teams that you're going to see in what leagues as of 2025 but I think we're still expecting there's still two I believe licenses up for grabs in league one so there could be two more clubs so there could be 38 clubs so there could be two more clubs or are they just going to drop them and keep 36 that's another thing the RFL are going to sort out do you know what I mean it's because you've got the West Wales one and you've still got the yeah there's still the West Wales one and there was one more because there should always be 12 teams which I believe is the Bristol one still it's still not been because they were meant to come in and then Covid scuppered those plans so very very interesting let's let's sit back let's watch how it goes hopefully the challenge cup round fourth and fifth round draws wednesday so last night have gone really well and your club have got who they wanted and we'll be back next week for more further developments i genuinely i'm i'm excited i am concerned about some of the stuff that's been said Mm -hmm. but also if they've got a plan to get around it, then fine. I think this is the best plan that I, I've seen in terms of our sport. Yeah. I think this is exactly what we need is is like a a, a, a holistic approach to appraising a team, not just how many games have they won this year. Yeah. Definitely. Oh. Yeah, so I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling quite positive, and and that's not just because I'm a York fan and there's certain areas that we will do well in. That's because I genuinely think that it's what's best for the sport as a whole. I'm a rugby league fan before I'm a York fan. Yes, definitely, hundred percent. And I know for a fact that as a Halifax fan, they're going to struggle, and they might end up being in League One. But so be it. They've got a good enough structure that if clubs really want to work for it, they'll work for it. If clubs just want to sit back and play in League One forever, they'll sit back and play in League One forever. Yeah, so, I think they'll they'll do okay. I mean, yeah, they'll probably do okay because it's it's it rewards consistency and Halifax are are always at least the top four. Yeah, that, that is yeah, that is also true. Inconsistent teams or teams that struggle on the pitch will, will struggle. So mm. we know for a fact London Scholars will struggle, and we know that. London Broncos will struggle because they had a tough year last year. We know Newcastle will struggle. So well, Warrington had a tough War- year. Yeah, last Warrington year. Year last year was was really bad. Leeds the year before that was quite bad. Yeah. So if you're going back three seasons and some teams are getting numbers, I mean Wakefield aren't going to get a great score, so we probably expect them to get relegated anyway. I mean we mentioned it; they haven't scored in three games now. They're they're already on minus 108 points difference and haven't won. <laughs> And we said Catalan's. We said Cass's season. Sorry, was going really bad. It ain't going that bad. Um, yeah, but that's only because they've got Wakefield to keep them off the bottom <laughs> of the table. I mean, do they? When do these teams play each other? That's what, that's what I'm. 
Well, Leeds and Leeds and Cass are on Thursday night, so I don't know. April, April the sixth will be the first week that one of these two teams win a game. <laughs> that's, that's the Thursday night game, sixth of April. Cass versus Wakefield. That's the first time one of these. I imagine if they drew and they both got a point, that'd be mental, wouldn't it? That would be. I mean, because they're two like rivals as well, like <laughs> two towns right next to each other. Yeah. I don't know. Wakefield have got Saints on thirty first of March. They might win that. They might win that. Yeah, Saints. Oh, well done, Lee, at the weekend. Well done, Lee. Um, we have to end on a tweet of the week, don't we? Um, yeah, go. I've, I've given you two options in the chat, haven't I? Um, and there was two tweets that caught my attention this week. The first one was um, Featherstone. They tweeted, Frenemies, there's a warm welcome to supporters of our neighbouring teams this afternoon. We know times are hard at Wakefield Trinity and at Casper Tigers fans, but let us turn that frown upside down. And you certainly did because they were laughing at you when you lost, um, <laughs> which was quite funny. That's had this is quite good from uh, Fev. They've had twenty nine. Well, at the time I screenshotted it at ten past eleven yesterday. Um, sorry, no, they tweeted it at eleven past eleven yesterday. I sent it. At, I tweeted this at half past eight last night. Twenty nine thousand views on that one. Um, Derek Beaumont. This this one. I mean, neither of you realised... I think you knew, but you wouldn't have noticed at first glance. And Toby admitted he didn't realise Steve Prescott passed away because we said most rugby league fans and most people really in the know are aware that this account is not run by Steve Prescott because the legend passed away. But a man like Derek Beaumont, in my head, should know that this has happened. And he said, Thanks, Steve. What a great message. Anyone who writes the Saints off is drinking more than me. Hope you're well. Would be good to see you at one of our games when you're free. Um, what do you make of that? Or those two? So, I mean, the warm welcome from uh, Featherstone makes me laugh because their fans weren't very warm to to Halifax. But also, it's got it's got me thinking. You know, you said about the engagement, and maybe maybe we're going to see. Um, all the social media accounts get really catty just to drive engagement so they get more IMG points. Was that a pun about Lee Leopards getting catty? Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> nice. I didn't even mean to do that. You've got the Panthers in there as well, getting catty. What else have we got? Yeah. Well, we don't have Wildcats. We've got, we've, got, we've got Tigers, Wolves. Tigers. We've got all Wolves sorts. Wolves and dogs. <laughs> Wolves. We've got... Um, Cougars, no, you know what I'm saying. We're gonna, we're gonna see like this sort of like. Yeah. Um, we are gonna see des teams desperate, desperate attempt attempt for any yeah. kind of attention, just because it gets clicks, clickbait. Oh, talking yeah. of talking of good news, Oldham have just landed a twenty five k twenty five thousand pound grant from the council. Um, so there you go. That's good news for Oldham on terms in terms of their finances. So. Keep going, Oldham. Well done, them. Yeah, put it, invest well, it, and invest then it. not only if you got a good balance sheet, but you've also got some um, some more working capital, some more assets. Yeah, very. Invest very in your facilities, and you've just hit three points on the new IMG. Yeah. This is how they've got me thinking. This is what this is how <laughs> it's good. It's really yeah. really good, and I'm looking forward to it. And I'm I'm very curious to know if amateur teams that want to be in 
League One, because we know that it changes. We know that they offer spaces to teams and teams drop out and mm. whatever. We know that happens. I want to know if amateur community clubs, not amateur clubs, community clubs, have access to the, what the grading criteria are, like the precise grading criteria, not just yeah the ones that we've seen and everything else. And I know they've probably only seen what we've seen at the moment, but they would have gone into a lot more detail. I want to know if this is open to those clubs, because if, if they do... What, what, how are they like the on pitch performances? You've got to take that out of consideration, but you have to comp obviously because they're in, they're not in the same league. But the Challenge Cup performances for these clubs, yeah, will they take, get a grade? Will they get a grade for that on top of the like the eighteen ninety five Cup? Really, to me, should be getting the same grade value as as potentially a NCL Premier win or an SCL Premier win because they're both seen as tier four competitions. Mm. Are we potentially? Is there potentially going to be the door? Is that is that ceiling? Is that floor? Is that is not what is it called? Is that forbidden door going to be opened? Trap door is the trap. Yeah, it's the trap door opening at the bottom of League One. And is are, are, are those community clubs are going to be allowed to climb and boost their boost boost the clubs at, at that level? Some clubs will probably choose not to do it, and that's fine, and we understand that. But there'll be some clubs that really want it, mm. so yeah, it's it's tough, especially clubs that are in the community le level that run women's teams. Yeah, Cardiff Demons, Oxford Cavaliers, Bedford Tigers, All Golds, um, Thatter Heath, they all run women's teams. But how many of them really want to be League One? We know All Golds do. I know for a fact that Bedford would love to become League One at some point. That's the end goal. Like to be a semi-professional rugby league club is the end goal. But to be a professional rugby league club is obviously the end goal. But the next goal is to be semi-professional, and mm. these clubs have started doing it in other ways. So I'm just really, I'm really, really interested to see how and whether these clubs will be accepted and whether they'll be allowed to be judged and whether they'll be allowed to be criteriaed without the pressure of. Um, like having to reach a goal, if that makes sense. Mm. But very, very interesting. I, I, I kind of want to like rank all the teams and see. Do you know what I mean? I wish I had the time. Maybe we do between the three of us. We could all take yeah, a team out and all try giving the score. And but we can't. Them. But we can't because we don't know the finances of clubs because there isn't that transparency of clubs. Yeah, we we can go on companies else and we can download some uh, finance. There might be there'll be a year out of date. Yeah, so you could yeah have a look at the balance sheet. That's a very very good point. But then, but I suppose it's like compared to what? Yeah, what are you? Yeah, who are you comparing it to? Um, Maybe we'll just do a BIF grading criteria where you get like simplified points. You get we'll talk. What you get? We'll a point, you anyway. get a point one bonus for every red card. Yeah. <laughs> um, for every, yeah. every biff <laughs> for every fight at a home game you get an <laughs> extra quarter of a point the more the more time your players have spent under suspension <laughs> the more points, the more you points you, yeah right that's we've been silly now yeah I thought there was I thought we got a carnage at the end of last week's podcast but this one's this one's, <laughs> this one's turning silly um no that's that's the IMG criteria and we're, we're gonna keep talking about it probably but 
time is running out for us this evening. We have things to do, and we we need to go, unfortunately. But it's been it's been a pleasure, Robin. Again, yeah, thank you. We obviously wish um, Toby all the best, and we wish Thanks, Tobes. very very soon. We love you, Tobes. Um, we haven't missed any birthdays this week, I don't believe. Uh, no, not on my side. No, not on my side. So we're good, and we'll catch you all next week where we discuss. I guess we discuss the Challenge Cup draw because we look at some of the teams and maybe break that down a little bit. But we'll discuss any any other major talking points that pop up between now and then. Thank you everyone for listening. This has been the Biff Rugby League podcast with Bradley and Robin. And we've been brought to you by Swinging Arms and Shoulder Charges. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.